you have your Bible here this evening, if you would please, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, verse 8. Thank you all for coming back tonight. It's been a great day. Appreciate uh, the hospitality of many of you to have us over and feed us and fellowship with us. Got to go see my brother Mark, me and Danny, and that was a blessing. But we are glad to be back here tonight. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. If you're there and ready, say amen. amen. Bible says, and the Lord appeared unto Abram. Boy, that's a big deal right there, amen. And said, unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. An altar is a place of thanksgiving. And today that we live in, an altar would be the presence of God. Really anything. I mean, you know, if you bow down by a tractor and say, God, just thank you for your goodness. The idea is the tractor means nothing, but your heart towards heaven means everything. You think of the cross. It's a place where Christ gave his life for you and I. Business was done on that day. What we couldn't do, he did on our behalf. Amen. He became our propitiation. He became an atonement, a covering for our sins. He satisfied a holy God on our behalf. And that's a place of thanksgiving. When you get saved, you go to the cross and say, God, thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for settling something that I couldn't settle. So in this, Abraham was rejoicing because God's faithful. And uh, by the way, God takes notice when we have a thankful heart. Matter of fact, he'll even bring numbers out. Wasn't there ten? Where's the other nine? Gratitude. He tells you and I in verse 8, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent. Now a tent is a picture of a stranger or a pilgrim. The idea is I'm here, but I'm not staying here. I'm here, but my work is not about here. It's about where I'm going over there. Abraham knew and saw things that others didn't see. He saw a city not made with man's hand, but he saw a city that God was preparing. He was willing to live in a tent here because he knew he had a city over there. Now, that's crazy. No, it's not. That's what God does to us. He changes us. We realize it's not what we have here that really matters, but what we do have, thank God for it. But when it's all said and done, we're going to a better place. All right, that's the thought here. Look at what he says there. He says, And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, Harion on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. One of preaches, this little thought is, you're all on the altar. It's a place of thanksgiving. It's a place of calling on God. And there's some other things I'll throw in there. So in this, Abraham was... Communion, communing with God. Genesis 12, 7, and there builded he an altar. I want to give you four or five things. What is an altar? It's a place of worship. You'll look at, just look it up real quick sometime. Noah was known to build an altar. As soon as he came off the ark, he built an altar and said, God, thank you for your promises. Hey, by the way, Noah built on faith. Never saw rain. God, how are we going to get all this wood? 
How am I going to get the animals on here? God says, you just build, I'll do the rest. Can you imagine the things that Abraham or that Noah saw during those dark days, his wicked times? Keep his family together, stay unified. Kept, kept reminding them God's going to send judgment. Arks for you and I for safety. Now he pitched that to his kids, kept, keep, keep working. Some said maybe, maybe others helped him. But they didn't get on, they helped, but they didn't get on. Maybe they thought if they helped, God would spare them. That's a work salvation. But what Abraham said, God said, do this part. There's a door. He told me to go through the door, and he did. After all those days on the ark, and you can imagine what he saw, and when God landed him back down on dry ground, the only thing he think of is God's faithful. I could have never done that. What did he do? What you and I ought to do? He built an altar and said, God, before I go any farther, just want to say thank you for your goodness. God, my whole family trusted you. I'm thankful that this thing's on dry ground. You opened the door. No, God opened the door and provided for him. Everyone else is gone, but God said, I told you by your faith. Amen. I'll get you through. Another one, uh, what about Moses? Moses was a man that traveled with an altar. And everywhere trouble came or he wanted to bow his knee, that altar was there. And it's just a picture that no matter what happens, good or bad, God, I'm going to give you praise. My worship is for you. Might not understand what you've done, but I'm going to worship you. Joshua was a man that built an altar. David was a man in Scripture that built an altar. And when you look at these lives, here's what you find. It's a place of surrender. It's a place where you say, God, I'm glad I'm saved. And I'm learning that this life don't really mean a whole lot. But what really does matter is what I do for you. And a Bible verse here, he says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The idea is God said, I've got you here that you might magnify me. It's kind of hard to magnify the Lord if you're in fornication. It's kind of hard to magnify the Lord if your mouth's filthy. It's kind of hard to lift the Lord up if you're not faithful in the house of God. It's kind of hard to invite folks to church if you don't come faithful. The idea is it's a place where you and I realize without Him, we're straight to hell. But thank God because of Him, He's lifted me up. Save my soul, seals me to the day of redemption, absent from the body, present with the Lord. This life is, is well, uh, Ecclesiastes, it just uh, it vanishes away. It's just quickly, you're going. Man, I can remember, you know, it's, it's crazy. I'm a papaw, papaw. You know, you hurt in places you didn't know you even had to hurt. You forget people's names, Paige. Known Hope for years, called her page today. and She said, bless your heart. I said, you got that right. It's a place of surrender. Think about it. And uh, we are to magnify the Lord. He says this, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What he's saying is, for all that I've done for you, I gave my life for you. I'm asking you to give me your life. And that's easy preaching, but it's hard living. But yet, it's a place of surrender. 
What was the difference between Abraham and Lot? An altar and a tent. Lot said, I don't have time for that stuff. I'm looking for that city that has all the stuff my flesh wants. But Abraham says, you pick the land you want, you face it any way you want to go. My heart is this. I want to honor and magnify the Lord. When it's all said and done, Lot's in trouble. And thank God for Abraham who interceded for him. See, when you, when you spend time with God, you get direction. Your heart's sensitive. And let me tell you something. Your prayers can get through. Lot was in a mess. But God said, I hear Abraham. I wonder how many times you and I word a prayer and God said, I wish, but I can't honor that. You haven't surrendered. I'm not number one in your life. It's all words. It's like a marital relationship. I love you, honey, but I, I got a lover I'm going to go to right now. Hope you understand. I'll send you roses on our anniversary. She's like, I don't mean anything. That ring don't mean anything on your finger. If you're two-timing me, forget the roses. They don't mean anything anymore. How many times do we put the altar up like you would a tent and say, God, it's my time now. Abraham made time for God. A lot of decisions, a lot of circumstances, but God gave him guidance because he made sure the altar was a part of his life. This Bible can be an altar. By the way, wisdom cometh from the Lord. He tells you and I, uh, it's a place of sacrifice. If you got your Bible, go to Jonah, verse chapter 2, verse 9. I'll read it to you here in a minute. Jonah's in trouble. By the way, listen, sin will always catch up with you. And you can only hide so many places. But Jonah chapter 2, verse 9 he says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I mean, Jonah's in trouble. You can look there in chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Does God going to have to put you in a fish's belly to get you back to the altar? What's God going to do, has to do, force you. Listen, we force him to do these things because we are his brethren we have been saved and set apart to do a work. And we begin to live a life of hypocrisy. Trust me, God takes notice when you quit taking notice of Him. Abraham said, God, I need you. I've heard your voice. You've appeared unto me. God, it's getting hard, but I need you. And God gave him strength for every step of the journey. Here in Jonah, verse 2 he cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me, and out of the belly of, the, of hell cried I, that thou heardest my voice, and thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all the billows, and the waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. I will look again toward the holy temple. Isn't that crazy? Why wasn't you looking before? We wouldn't have been in this mess. Because he was bigoted towards people. Guys, this is a little lesson. You think, I'm going to get even with them. You're, you might be heading towards a belly of a fish. God gave him a commission. He didn't go. You might be sitting here tonight saying, God clearly said, hey, I've called you for a job and you're still sitting here. There's work to be done and you don't hear my voice. 
I mean, have you, has it registered with you yet? You can't be just saved and walk around like you don't know what you're doing. God has commissioned us. There's a job for you to do. Get busy. Jonah said, I ain't doing it. God says, you will and I get done. What does it, why is it, why is it God's got to get our attention? If you notice here, for the, verse 4, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again towards the holy temple. Well, pastor, where was he working at? I mean, where was he looking the whole time? If he decides now that he's got to look back to the holy temple, he must have realized, as you and I would say, maybe I better get back to the house of God. Maybe it's time I start going to church again, Mike. I mean, it's been a while. I've tried it my own way, but nothing's worked out. Listen, I don't know where you are in your journey, but as rotten as you and I are, and the pull the world has, and our mind without the renewing of the word of God will wonder, and we'll bite on about anything that looks good or seems to be right. Philosophy's everywhere. Everybody's got an answer. And boy, you're believing other people, and you've left the book. You've left the house of God. And I know you're here on a Sunday night, but I'm saying you can be here in person and not be here in heart. That's all I'm saying. So is your all on the altar? The idea is God says, I know if you're just playing games with me. Jonah was a called man, but he wasn't, he wasn't going to serve him. Look what he says here in verse 5. The waters can pass me about. You realize God owns it all. I mean, here's the thing I think about. Like, God, I'm going to hide from you. God said, how are you going to hide from me? I ain't going to do it. And God says, I created you. I mean, you want to, who, we, who do we think we are? I ain't doing it, God, Jonah. Jonah said, okay. We'll see how that works out. Where are you at in the mix? See, an altar is a place where you quit fighting God and you get to what he's asked you to do. Look at your Bible. The Bible speaks louder than me. Look what he says here. Verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When I thought there was no hope, thank God your arm reached down and showed me some mercy. Now look what he says in verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I mean, God takes us down where we have nothing left. Why does he have to do that? Because we keep bypassing what God's asked us to do. He tells us in verse 7, My soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee in thy holy temple. And he says, um, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. For, now here's verse 9. For I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah said, I'll do it, but he didn't do it. God don't remember what I said. Yes, he does. See, it's one thing to come down here and say, God, I'm ready. I'll do whatever. And then you get up and the devil says, I do not when I'm done with you. The world sucks us in and we forget, guys, we are the, we are the church of the living God. And he's given us everything we need. The gospel, it's not your gospel, it's his gospel. But he tells you not to preach it. Without the power of Christ and the calling of God, we have nothing. What I'm trying to tell you is there's an altar that ought to be present in your life. Thank God for a local church. That's what you need. You need teaching. You need accountability. You need faithfulness. You need a church to work in and out of. This church is whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be a lazy church, don't do anything. The Bible says if you don't till the ground, don't expect a harvest. 
Every farmer got the field ready and planted the seed. Now he's just saying, God, do what, do your thing. God sends the rain. God gives the sunshine. They'll go up through it and check it, make sure this and that, pull the weeds, and whatever they got to do. But when it comes right down to it, they tilled the ground. They put the seed in. They didn't make the seed die. That's just in the formula. Seed dies. Starts with one. God brings up what? An ear of corn or a sock of corn, three ears. What come out with what started with one comes out in thousands. Here's the formula. You got to get this. Anytime you and I spend time with God at the altar, he's, he's in the multiply business. He didn't tell Lot, Lot, your seed's going to be blessed. I'm going to give you this land. Lot was disobedient. But he told Abraham, the one who spent time at the altar, the one that prayed for his kids and prayed for his home and prayed for his church and his pastor, the one that was involved. God said, I'm going to bless you and your seed. Look, look at that land. That's yours. Why? Because you're a man of prayer. A man that carried an altar. And you supped with me. Now guys, don't take this wrong. I'm just going to be honest with you. Jimmy, we, can, we know the routine. But it's more than a routine. It's more than just knowing what to do. Somewhere there's got to be a performance. Real faith has a performance. You know what makes Rahab sweet? Not that just she's just a Gentile. But she saw something that no one else saw. She saw the spies. She sensed God was on them. She's a Gentile. She worshiped other gods. She was a prostitute. She rented out her home for dirty business. But she realized, hey, God's with Israel and Jericho's going down. So she told those boys, hey, listen, I know your God. I've heard about him and you guys are coming and taking us out and I don't want to go out. I believe that God of Israel is a real God. And they said, well, that sounds good, but here's how you're going to identify yourself. We're coming in. If you mean what you just said, you better hang down a red ribbon out of that window. Identifies the blood. I'll tell our boys to come in and destroy everything, but they see that red ribbon, who's ever in that house is saved. Am I right or wrong? Faith. Faith has a performance. They came through. They slaughtered. They saw that red ribbon. They said, boys, don't touch that house. Rahab had faith. Her and God done worked it out. Listen, the altar will change the future of your family. Just trying to get you to see something here. Bible says, is you're all on the altar. Don't get caught up in this routine. Learn to do business with God. Get a hold of God. We have that privilege. We have access to the throne room of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin will keep you from God's presence. Sin will keep God from answering your prayers. He tells you and I that we must die. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. See, that's a process of sanctification. Mike, look at it. If it abideth alone, but if it die. You know what our biggest problem is? We just got too much stuff we cling to. Just too much. God said, I can't work that way. I'm a jealous God. You have too many other gods in your life. Look what it says right here. He says, if you accept a corner of wheat, fall on the ground and die. Anybody has a garden? 
I mean, weeds sabotage the garden. What could be a full harvest, what does weeds do? Kills it. You're in the business. When you say, God, here's my heart, what you're saying is this, Lord, I need your help to figure out what is a weed and what's not a weed. See, there's some things that you and I embrace and think it's cool and God said it ain't cool. That's robbing you of a harvest. Oh, I just got to have these things. If that's, if that's taking your tithe money, you're sinning against God. See, a lot of times you don't realize we own houses that we shouldn't be owned because God's money is being used to keep it. You got toys that you have no business having because you took God's money to buy it for your pleasure. See, it gets real personal. We don't want to get too personal, God. I just want to give you a high five on Sunday and uh, try to get back when I can. We need help. Too busy. I got ball fields to go to. I got a boat I got to get out. And I've got a four-wheeler and a sidekick. It's all about what you want. When, when's the last time that you died out and said, God, I'm tired of chasing these toys. Get in my play, get in my play box. And, and God, help me to get through, sort through this thing. I want to do something for you. You've got to get things out of your life that's sabotaging you. You think it's helping you. God says, no, honestly, it's destroying you. Y'all still love me? Bible says, what do I place on the altar? You got to place yourself. I can't do it for you, neither can you do it for me. Here's a verse. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto who? Unto God as those that are alive from the dead. See, listen, he slaps you right in the face. It's not like, Jimmy, you're dead. I've quickened you. It's not like you can't communicate with me. Your spirit's alive. There's a time you couldn't hear my voice. You hear it. Dad, you say, do you guys brush your teeth? Yes, sir. You go in there and check our toothbrush as dry as a bone. Like, oh, gee. We heard these, uh, these noises. We're upstairs. He's on his way upstairs. You know what? Dad just held us accountable. I'd rather for you say no than to say yes and you lied to me. We think we get by with our lies. He said, guys, it's not like you haven't benefited from what he did for you. But what is a heart of thank you, James? If we're really thankful for something, what do we do? I'm just, God takes notice. When he did something magnificent for you, and you've never returned to say thank you. You got friendships. Who in the Bible got messed up because they didn't follow the principle of evil associations. Well, we go way back. Yeah, but if he's hurting your testimony, get away. She's beautiful. She ain't saved. But she's gorgeous. Don't matter. You're flirting with disaster. You're falling in love with your eyes, but you're not falling in love with someone that loves God. And you think, I can manage it. No, it's going to manage you. I am a companion, the Bible says, of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. I know some guys that got in business together. One was saved, one was lost. And they started on a great friendship. It was all said and done. Principles, see? Principles. I think we ought to give to, uh, you know, uh, no. That's an ungodly thing. What do you mean it's an ungodly thing? They do great things. <laughs> oh, gee, I didn't think we'd ever cross this bridge. See, devil is a liar. He sets you up and then he pinches you and gets you in a situation where you think, 
If I didn't jump in this mess, I would have never been facing this mess. The Bible tells you and I that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep, that means guard, guard your path. The Bible says guard the path of the righteous. Here's the next one. What do I lay on the altar? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to... Listen, as soon as the Holy Spirit deals with you, we call it the tug. He's letting you know, hey, you're my child and uh, you, you don't talk that way anymore. Hey, you're my child. I redeemed you. You're mine. And then he lays a principle on you. And when you ignore it like Jonah did, it just gets worse. The quicker you can find a place to say, God, I ain't fighting this thing, my flesh. I'm going to crucify it right now. It's, I'm not going to give in to it. Why? Because if you do, it gets easier the next time. It's easier. These are basic little principles that will help you get to the fullness of your Christian life. Salvation, that's a work he did for you. Sanctification is a work he does through you. And you got to let him have his way. Listen, don't make him take like he did Jonah, throw him in the depths of the sea, put him down in blackness. Don't, I mean, you don't, why, don't go that way. Be quick to say, God, I ain't fighting you. I'm not going to make this thing worse. I don't want to put you where you got to do, put this judgment on me. I want to be quick to heed. Find you a place. Say, God, I ain't fighting you. I'm surrendering. Boy, there's a lot of people in the Bible that God told them and they just did it their own way and I don't find any of them that came out with a, with a happy smile. I, I mean, it's just, I learned from this book. God don't change man's honorings. Count me. Without God's help, my mind goes everywhere. Without God's help, my flesh says, this is what I want. But if you'll read the Bible on a consistent basis, you'll think, oh, wait a minute. I've read that story. That don't end good. The Bible tells you and I, on the altar, sometimes you've got to lay your unforgiveness, Mike. You know, we live in a bitter world. Everybody's mad at somebody. I mean, you don't know if they're going to slap you or pull a gun. People got attitudes. Here's what the Bible says. Forbearing one another. You know what that means? Just put up with one another. Just put up with one another. Quit fighting. Meet at the cross. Find an altar. And fall in love with Jesus. Sure, you got differences. Your collar's this. My collar's that. I like shag. You like hardwood. It don't matter. Let's come together and pray. Here's what he says. Listen, guys, I'm in churches all the time. You'd be surprised what's in this room right here. Bitter. I don't like them. Well, you're in the same family. Under the same headship of Christ. And while you're mad at them, your prayers are being hindered. Your kids, your grandkids, your marriage. God said, I cannot honor that. Let me read it to you, then you argue with him. Forbearing one another and forgiving one. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do, do ye. Let me give you another one. What happens when we place all on the altar? Well, back in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, when Elijah said, God, your way is my way, remember? 450 Baal worshipers. He caught them on the carpet. 
Elijah went back and uh, Daryl, he found something in the Bible. He knew God don't lie. If God said it back there, he'd honor. He just, nobody was brave enough to stand on the word. Elijah went back and I think it's Leviticus and said, Lord, you said if we deal with these idols and get rid of them, you'll bless our land. God said, Elijah, because you're faith in me, I'm going to give you some authority. He said, it ain't going to rain for how long? Three and a half years. But God said, I'll take care of you. But if you'll stand for me on my behalf, I'll honor it. One man who saw beyond the mess got a hold of the book and said, God, I'm just reminding you what I read. I'm going to stand on it. It's time to clean this mess up. Boy, did they ever clean it up. What I'm saying is, God, if you don't get serious with God, he'll never get serious and work through you. He tells us, here's the second one, the song of the Lord begins. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 27, 16 years of no worship. The lamps of the temple were out. There was no witness among the Jewish people. The incense of the altar was cold. The incense of the altars would always be, be burning. But because of sin and idol worship, it's all been torn down, separated, and done. Israel is vulnerable. They're blinded. God is chastening them. But you know what Hezekiah did? Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. He went and built an altar and said, boys, I don't know what you did with the old one, but it's killing us. And he built an altar. And he began to get the people back to the word of God and the promises of God. And they worshiped and they worshiped. And you can read the story. Next thing you know, it says, And when the burnt offerings began, the song of the Lord began as with trumpets and with instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. What I'm saying is the altar is a place where we return to the Lord. It's like, God, I veered off somewhere. God, I got caught up in a trap somewhere. God, I see the results of it. I don't like who I am now. I don't like what's happened in our home. God, I've strayed from you. When you get back to that altar and you get things right, the Bible says the trumpets begin to sound. Music begin to sing. The hearts begin to worship. Listen, guys, you can be saved and lose your worship. You can be saved and lose your joy. You can be saved and lose your effectiveness. Guys, we got churches everywhere. Where do we go? Right here in Daggone Winchester. You took me away. You'd never taken me today. You scallywag. Danny said there's a church on every corner. Same way in Portsmouth. Probably same way in Moorhead. Probably same thing. In, there's churches everywhere. But our nation's still going down the drain pretty quick. One of the things I've always respected about Landmark, I bragged on you, is I always pictured, and I saw the evidence, that you was a working church. Jimmy, there's not too many churches that really work and till the ground. But I, if you all ever follow me on my post, I had tons of pictures. Buses coming in. Kids getting off those buses. Well, it's because we gave them a hot dog. Give them two hot dogs. If they get the gospel, feed them whatever it takes. By the way, Jesus did the same thing. He fed thousands and then they'd sit down and he would teach to them. He told Peter during the time of, of correction off the boat, he said, you get you something to eat and get cleaned up and we're, then we're going to take a little ride on the boat. 
they're more able to hear if you meet the physical need. And then their spiritual ears will open. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Whatever it takes to get them under the gospel around the right atmosphere with people that love them with a godly love, it's worth it. Pastor, I don't know how many buses you had, but man, there's a bunch of them. They'd line up in that circle. And I'd watch them one by one and get off that bus. I've been in it long enough to know that just don't happen unless you work the field. Well, it's harder today. I understand it's harder, but no, I don't see where God says quit. Church, you can't embalm the past, but you can learn from it. Just trying to encourage you. This ain't a time to slow down. This is a time to drop that plow and let her go. But it takes these folks. Don't lose your burden. I know it's a hard work, but there will be a day that we'll rest from our works. And the wicked will not rest, Brad. They'll face judgment, but you and I that are born again, our works follow us, our, our, we'll rest, oh, and it'll be done. This is where we get it done here, but God says up there, you enjoy what you did here. Hell's full of folks. Hey, listen, by the way, you ever just did the equation? Uh, we're in heaven a lot longer than what they're going to, that we're going to be here. It's a short little period when God says, Find an altar and give me yourself. I want to bless. I'll multiply. If I can get you to die, I'll multiply through you. Life will be touched because of you. We're just a vessel. That's all we are. He says, if you'll pour yourself out and I'll pour myself into you, we can do something. And then when I take you home, what you did here for me, with my power and your surrender, it'll be with you up there forever. But what you do here, that's not by faith and pleasing to God will follow you too. And after you go to the bema seat, you're going to have soiled garments. You're not going to be prepared for a whole lot because you chose you over him. I mean, I think a lot. He was a saved man. But you know what? We wouldn't even believe that if we didn't read what, Jude? Thank God for a New Testament guy that says, hey, he's saved. It wasn't a whole lot of fruit there, but he was saved. How can he be saved, Jimmy? He was a goofball. Everything he did was crazy. But I look back at my life, I've done some crazy things. But thank God for an altar, Daryl. When God squeezed my heart and says, David, you could do better. David, you're playing a game with me. David, you're two-timing with me. What's it going to take, David, to get you back where I got all of you? If I could just have all of you, if you just make yourself available, we could get a lot more done. And now that I read it and I see by faith our future, I'd much rather stand before the Lord with something in my hand than to stand before the Lord empty-handed. Hey, Maryville, or oh, Maryville, that's another church. Landmark, I love you guys, I, I do. I'm just trying to encourage you. Don't get all excited about what you used to do. Let's make new memories. Let's reach new people. Let's find another place to plow. I don't know when he's coming, but mark it down, he is. I don't know if we'll face a rapture. I don't even care about it because it don't change where I'm going. I'm glad he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. I'm not begging him to come. Hey, listen, while I'm here with God's help, I'm going to plow for him and try to bring a harvest for the glory of God. And when he's done with this fat boy, I'll just go home. But until then, 
There is a work to be done. You all say, say it with me. There is a work to be done. Come on, say it with me. There's a Are you going to be a part of it? That's all I'm asking. Are you going to be a part of it? God's already equipped you. It's not like you don't need anything else. Everything you need, he's given you. It's just a matter of finding that place of an altar and dying out. Saying, God, I don't know if I can do it. God says, if you'll just make yourself willing, I'll enable you to do it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Pastor's going to do the invitation. However God spoke to you tonight, I hope you'll be obedient to it.